Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! joining you on a Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning of game week. We finally made it, folks. Want to thank you. <laughs> Want to thank you guys. For, this doesn't funny. Don't, don't, don't worry about all that. Don't worry about what just happened. Want to thank you guys for tuning in wherever you are at supertalk.fm or however you get podcasts. We appreciate you uh, joining us. Appreciate all our listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there uh, who are protecting us in the night and in the day. We will give them the full 24 hours. They got to sleep at some And point. all the service members that are no longer serving that once served. If you ever served, we thank you for your service. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffee House, a churning spoon ice cream. I, I don't think they're going to put the uh, the slogan that wins up this week. They're going to make they're going to make a, a different slogan because right now what's winning, I believe, is my tutor wrote this slogan, and I, I just don't think that an actual sponsor of the university is going to put yeah. that one. I just got I just got a feeling. Call me crazy. Call me crazy up there. I think it'd be hard to skip out on that one. Well, I'd be hilarious though. It'd be really funny. I'm just saying. So, uh, before we get too far into the show, I want to give you guys another thank you. Uh, a lot of warmth on Twitter uh, after the uh, the untimely uh, untimely might not be the right word. He was 15 years old. He was an old cat. But my good friend Agamemnon has uh, gone on to the Rainbow Bridge, and everybody who was really nice to me about that, I appreciate that. Hey, you you won jackass. There's one of my words that you had decided he wanted to like take that time to make a joke. Good thing you deleted that Twitter that Twitter because my wife was about to jump in your ass. There's two words with both feet. She saw it, and I, was, I tried to hide it from her, and uh, yeah, she was not happy. So, so someone deleted their Twitter account after no, no, not, not the Twitter account, just the tweet that they tweeted okay. at me. Okay, so just there, yeah. You know, when death is involved, unless it's somebody who was universally hated, Osama bin Laden dies, make a joke. Somebody else dies, eh? Maybe it's not the time. Yeah, not a not a big fan for making fun no. of death. No, I'm not That's, either. But, it's not but a- that said. Uh, those of you who were who were very kind to me and my family, we we really really appreciate it, and uh, we will miss our buddy. But we will uh, we will move on. We still have two cats left. Samson and Baloo are still with us, and uh, we hopefully will be with us for quite a long time. So again, thank you guys uh, very very much. It is game week, which means we talked to Joe Moorhead earlier today as we are recording. And maybe today as you're listening, I'll put this up as soon as we get done. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Talk about some of the things we learned. Some of the things maybe we didn't learn. Uh, we've got a box score to do today. We're going to talk about the Egg Bowl. Few days away from the kickoff of the season, but let's talk about the end of it. No, never too early to talk about the Egg Bowl and uh, our first week of picks. Our, I'm sorry, this is our second week of picks. Yeah. We're both one and zero on the season. We are, and so we will see. There's some games this week. We may have some week one from week. It is technically is week one. You, we may have some separation. You can't win the competition in August, Brian. You can lose but it. You though. can darn sure you lose. can lose it. So we may have a little a little separation today. We'll see what happens. But first and foremost, let's talk about what we've learned from Joe Moorhead's opening week press conference. First off, I think we learned that it is not a totally foregone conclusion that Keaton Thompson could still be a part of this Mississippi State team, but I would say that it seems unlikely at this juncture. Fair? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And I think that you, I mean, by the fact that he's in the transfer portal, that's that's clue one that he wants, that, that he's looking to go elsewhere. Clue two is that he's no longer with the team. He he made that clear. Uh, Keaton, you know, not like he's out there practicing still. Um, in fact, in the depth chart we were given, um, Garrett Schrader actually was the QB two on the depth chart yeah. we were given. So I mean, we can talk about that later if you want to. But depth charts being what they are, Keaton is not on it. Um, was scheduled to he, he talked with Moorhead on Sunday. Was scheduled to talk with. Uh, Keaton Thompson was scheduled to talk with Moorhead and, and QB coach Andrew Briner again, either on Monday or on Tuesday. 
Um, and there's no timetable, Joe said. So um, he, whenever Keaton decides, we will find find out for sure. But but yeah, it's it doesn't sound like a you know on Friday when you see that Keaton Thompson has entered the transfer portal. First gut instinct is he's gone. Yeah. And I'm still with you. He's probably still gone. But there have been some people come back. There have been. Yeah. And, and and there is a chance. I mean, look, I don't know what opportunities will present itself. And that's what this will boil down to for Keaton Thompson. The opportunity that presents itself is good enough. Somebody calls him up and like, hey, you run a style that we need. If you come in here, you got a good chance to, to start pretty quickly or play a lot or whatever the case may be. That may be an opportunity you can't pass up. See you later, Mississippi State. In my opinion here. State fans should pat him on the butt, wish him well, thank him for all he did, and root for the kid to go be an All-American wherever he goes. That's just my opinion. But the best opportunity for him might be, if he doesn't find a great opportunity somewhere, to stick around at State. Maybe they can work with him and play him in four games or less. Um, let him, you know, do some damage in a in a backup role. He's there if if for whatever reason, you know, God forbid something happens to Tommy Stevens in the first few weeks of the season. You got KT sitting there, could start the rest of the year for you if something happens. Somebody tweeted something about that that you don't ever think about, but the old slogan, you know, you're one snap away, it's like it doesn't apply anymore. And you know, you, nobody's willing to be one snap away. They want to be there now. Yeah. And I know that you can't bank your future on that happening, but <laughs> but the best chance for Keaton Thompson might be for this year still be at Mississippi State. I don't know. We yeah. uh, he, me, He's got to evaluate all let that. Let me ask you this. Does Thompson's sudden departure, being so quick, give you a lot of confidence that Stevens is going to do well? Because if Keaton thought, look, let him be the starter, he'll screw it up in the first couple games and they'll put me in, he'd stay. The belief of Keaton Thompson must be, this guy's good enough to hold on to the job, don't you think? Well, it's got to be either that or, quite frankly, he might be thinking like I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That being that this coaching staff does not believe in me whatsoever. That's true. I believe that. And he sh- and quite quite honestly, he should believe that way. I think. And that's not a knock on him. That's not a knock on Joe Moorhead. That's not a knock on this coaching staff. It's just a. It's kind of like one of those deals where, um, Brian, this is kind of maybe some of your people back in your day kind of deal. You okay, know? I'm going into your heritage here. I don't know. Forced marriages. <laughs> did that, did that. <laughs> My wife might tell you that happened. <laughs> I'm just picking at you, but yeah. but no, it's kind of like a. She, she wouldn't take a no for an answer. I had to, I had to, I had to do it. <laughs> it's kind of like a forced marriage situation. It's not Joe's fault. It's not Keaton's fault. Right. It's nobody's fault. Right. You have a quarterback that was recruited to run a certain style system, mm-hmm. and you have a coach that runs a bit different system that requires a better passer. And for whatever reason, we have not seen one blooming indication since Joe Moorhead was hired that he trusts Keaton Thompson. Yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't like Keaton Thompson. He probably right. loves Keaton Thompson. And I'm sure Keaton Thompson has a lot of respect for Joe. But the fact of the matter is, we haven't seen anything that leads us to believe that anybody in that coaching staff thinks, you know what, KT can get the job done for us. Yeah. Any opportunity for him to come in, whether it was, you know, he, if you believed in Keaton Thompson, you would have never flirted with Kelly Bryan or Tommy That's right. Stevens. Absolutely correct. Or whoever else was out there. You also, yeah. I mean, because doing what you've done now, what you've done, in my opinion, you've you've disrupted the balance. Talk about that balance of of your quarterback room for the next couple seasons because it looks like Schrader's gotten ahead of, of Maiden now. Seems that way. So Maiden is probably the next one out. And you're, that's a very iffy situation because then you're telling me next year you've got Schrader and maybe Will Rogers 
and who. You know, and if Schrader's ready, great. You still got to sign a second quarterback. You got to have. You got to have to. You, I mean, you're going to have to go do what you did in 13, where you pluck somebody, commit it to to South Alabama or Southern Miss, and just be like, "Do you want to play in the SEC? You may yeah. never play a lot, but you'll play." Yeah. Because you're going to have to get a second quarterback. I mean, you're right. You, you can draw out a situation at this point to where next year you have redshirt freshman Garrett Schrader as your starter. True freshman. True freshman Will Rogers as and his backup. true freshman unknown. And, yeah. You know, because it, it seems unlike unless you can get some sort of, There's a kid who, who transferred to Ohio State from Kentucky, Gunnar Hoke. He was, the, he was going to be the backup at Kentucky. And he transferred to Ohio State after Justin Fields had come on board. So he knew he probably wasn't going to win that job. So I don't know if that's just... I mean, you can. I guess you can sort of scour the transfer wire and hope for the best. You know, I, I won't be surprised if there's another grad transfer on the roster next year. To be totally honest with you, uh, I don't know that it'll be a guy that you you want to start, but it could be a guy that comes in and maybe provides some depth. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. We're, we're we're projecting a little too far out, but I I do I do see a little bit of, of optimism in Keaton's decision. Not not, not that I don't I, I would I would think it would be better for Mississippi State to stay for him to stay. But him leaving so quickly leads me to believe that he believes that Tommy Stevens is going to hold on to that job by his play. I think at bottom line, it goes down to what we talked about a while ago. If Keaton Thompson stays, to me it's because, I mean, I know this sounds so basic, but he didn't find a situation out there right now that's good for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the bottom line. If there's not one good for him right now, if I'm Mississippi State, and I don't know what Joe Moorhead and, and them are going to propose or what they're saying to Keaton, I just don't know. But if you're them, do you not go up to him and say, if you stay and you stay this year and you're still wanting out, we will do all we can to yeah. keep you in four games or less. Right. Like, don't you do that? Because don't you make that with Maiden still on the roster, you can do that. You've got the, the, the wiggle room. You can play Schrader in four, Keaton in another four, and then if you desperately need somebody else to come in, and you're in a situation, God, I don't want to play one of those guys. You've got Maiden. You've got that in case a helmet comes off or something yeah. in the, at the wrong time. So you've got that wiggle room where you can, but at the same time, unless you're guaranteeing him the starting job next year, which I don't think you can do, then you might be putting him in a situation where he wastes his redshirt year. Now, that said, he could be close. I don't know how close he is to graduating. He could graduate maybe just be a grad transfer. But honestly, as much love as we've heard Joe Moorhead shower on Garrett Trader to this point in camp, seems likely. It, it seems likely Garrett Trader is going to be your starting quarterback next year, uh, unless there is some random grad transfer that we don't foresee coming. You know, yeah. step in there. But right. Anyway, interesting times. Yes, it is. It is. That I, that said, like I said, I, I feel like that it, there, there's a positive hidden in there. You have to, there's a silver lining, I guess you could say. Um, we also sort of learned what we weren't going to learn, and that's regarding the, uh, the, the suspensions. Suspensions uh, that they are not going to be made available to it. You know, the depth chart came out today. I know that we've seen Willie Gay's name on every message board involved in this. No confirmation whatsoever. Don't expect to be, there to be any. According to Joe Moorhead, he's still injured, uh, still practicing with the red jersey. They hope to have him back on practice Tuesday. Uh, but that said, no, we're going to find out on Saturday who's suspended for this game. And then my guess is we'll find out again on Saturday uh, the 7th, and that's when we'll be able to put two lists together and go, okay, these are the guys. Yeah. Um, I think you might learn more from, like, keeping the first couple of game lists and then 
after that week four game against Kentucky and then kind of matching them up that way and seeing who's the guys and how they're mitching it, mitching, mixing. <laughs> I can't talk. Y'all know that by this point, though, if you've been listening for a while. Yeah. Um, mixing and matching, you'll probably see by them. I, I, I don't really – I guess by legal standards, by FERPA, I, I understand they can't put the names and the reasons and things, but – I maintain what what we said on our emergency podcast the other day. People aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to figure this out and yeah. dot, dot the I's and cross the T's pretty, pretty quickly. quickly. Two weeks in, we're going to know. So, If player X is suspended for week one and week two, I would be willing to bet he's suspended for week three. I mean... And so on. Here's the thing, though. Like, if so-and-so, I don't know, draw up player X, and I'll let y'all make fun of me here if y'all don't do so enough already, Um Somebody gets a DUI or something. Yeah. And and they get suspended for a week for a violation of team rules. Yeah. Um, and then you can maybe finagle it where somebody else could come in and offer suspension. That, but, but I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe somebody does something behind the scenes that we don't know. I guess an arrest wasn't the best example. Maybe somebody does something behind the scenes that we don't know about, mm-hmm. and it's a violation of team rules. Right. Everybody's just going to assume they were involved in Tudorgate, right? You know, kind of thing. So I, I kind of wish in some way that there was some way to get around the FERPA thing and like, well, like well, I said, here were the people somebody, involved in the. If somebody is on the week one suspension list and is not on the week two suspension list, that's probably a pretty good indication that they weren't involved in this. <laughs> you know, so it, let's just use an example. Let's just pick a player at random, totally random. Um, Aquarius Landry's. Just use him as an example, right? I, I He's gonna, suspended for week one. I was going to say pick a walk on, and I was going to. Well, whatever. Just say Landry's suspended for week one, right? We come back next week, and Landry's is in the starting lineup. He wasn't part of that, I don't think. Especially if the same, if there's nine other guys, and they're all the same as the week before, and Landry's is the only one different, then you know. You'll know. Yeah. It's going to take two weeks to figure it out, but we'll figure it out. Unless MSU is going to get real creative with the accounting somehow. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I do. Th- Kudos here to Tyler Horka, who I thought had an outstanding question today, and I wish I could remember how he worded it. I said right next to him. Whenever give he it a asked, start and see if I can figure it out. Whenever he asked Joe Moorhead that the question basically of um, ah goodness, I I can't remember now what he said, but but he was basically asking, you know. Does this change your outlook for right, right, right? Since you know, by championship standing, yeah, you come in and now you're already on probation a year in. Does it change your outlook? And I just thought that was a pretty good question, just for you know, just what is your mentality about all this? Yeah, and and I really like what Joe said in in that it, it kind of meshed with what I've been thinking. In that, look, these by and large, this problem, this isn't some systematic Mississippi State University issue. This boils down to the fact that you had this tutor, this 18 to 21-year-old, I guess. I don't, We don't know her age, but I'm assuming student-aged yeah. tutor. And you had these 18 to 21-year-old football players that all made a bunch of dumb decisions amongst themselves. You know, Th- yeah. This wasn't like some, somebody in the compliance office or somebody in the academic advising office was approached by a coach and pushed to do that. You know, this wasn't some nefarious something from the coaching staff or whatever this boils down to this was about 10 or 11 or 12 people that did something stupid and and there's nothing you can do about it now and like joe said in his answer to the question i was referencing these guys did it they will now be held accountable for it and 
I mean, you just hope that you learn from it and you move on. But I, I don't know. I, I really liked how he summed up this whole deal. And it, it, it's so it's such a frustrating thing um, but because it was entirely preventable if people had just made right decisions. But now people made decisions that, that cost themselves. You think about that, man. They're going to be June... I hate to start spitting out stuff, but there are going to be people on this roster that might would have had a chance to go to the NFL after this season. Now they're going to sit out eight games. <laughs> that sucks. And you pay the price of your decision. There's going to be people on this roster that maybe was going to get their first big opportunity um, at, at Mississippi State, and now you're going to sit out eight games. You're not going to get that. and That's not going to be on tape for scouts or whatever. You're just in a lot of hot water that way. But at the end of the day, I thought Joe's answer with that was was pretty good, and that yeah. he's undeterred or whatever. I mean, these kids made bad decisions, and you hope they learn from it. But the, at the end of the day, you just you keep plugging along, kind of thing. I don't know. I just you can go back and listen to it. And I know I summed that up crappily, but it was just I thought a really good answer from Joe Morehead. Yeah, if you want to go back, it's at supertalk.fm. You can find the uh, the video there of uh, Morehead's press conference. By and large, though, I felt Moorhead was confident and happy with his team and his roster and his depth chart and you know where his team is going into this game. And, and you know, I think people forget that Mississippi State beat this team fifty-six to ten a season ago. The, the, I think the suspensions have got people sort of worried and riled up. I know. I think the line has dropped a couple of points, but I still see this as a very, very comfortable win for Mississippi State. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. And I think we said on Friday's show when, or excuse me, the Saturday emergency show. That I didn't think that any of these suspensions were going to be something that would influence the outcome, or it shouldn't influence the outcome of the first three games, you know. And if it does, I think you had bigger problems than you thought you did anyway. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that that state should be in good shape in week one, two, and three, no matter what happens. But I guess this week, game week, we're looking we're looking at Louisiana. Yeah, I think state's fine. Um, they're they're still the better team, you know, uh, unless there's a whole lot of folks suspended that that we don't know about, you know, that we haven't heard about, and then we get out there in the Superdome on Saturday morning and we get this long list of, like, really impact performers that we didn't see coming, then maybe my opinion changes a little bit. But, but yeah, based on what we kind of know, I don't think that it's going to be yeah. something that changes your prediction for the me weekend. Either, either. All right, one other prediction that's probably not going to change is my prediction for the Egg Bowl, uh, which will be, at this time, it's, it's another Mississippi State victory. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Rebels, and I, I have a lot of faith in MSU's offensive ability to run the football against Ole Miss. So let's talk about that game in our final edition of the box score. I, I can't believe I, I got everything to go right. Usually I screw the math up on those things. I, I, I got it this year. Good job. And that's with us taking a couple weeks off. I still figured it out. It's did crazy. you figure it out or did you like just back into it? So Ole Miss. <laughs> a little of both maybe. Um, I, I mean, I started on the right day. <laughs> I, I figured it out, I guess. Um, looking ahead to this game, you know, you think about the last, basically the last three years for the for Mississippi State in this game, and they have just been able to run the football at will on Ole Miss. Even, even in the loss in 2017, if you go back, State ran the ball so effectively. And if they had just run the ball, if that, that was the, the biggest never always pass, always run, never pass game ever. If State had just run the football exclusively in that game, they would have won the football game. And not turned the ball over. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that like too. 1,600 times. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, and looking at Ole Miss this year, when you look at their defense, I mean, 
I understand that Mike McIntyre may be a better defensive coach than Wesley McGriff in a world where it looked like my mom might be a better defensive coach than Wesley McGriff. Um, although I, I haven't really got understood the hype surrounding McIntyre. His defenses at Colorado were, were okay. He had one really good year, but people are making him out like he's Jolie Dunn circa 1997 for some reason. Um, but the, the talent is still just not there. So well, that, that's that's what I was going to say, man. Even if you are Jolie Dunn circa 97, or if you're you know, who's some of the best D coordinators in the game? We'll say Bob Shoop. Bob Shoop. Uh, Dave Aranda, Todd Grant. It, it does not matter. It doesn't matter, you know, who the D coordinator is if the talent level isn't there. You know, uh, God, you know, Phil Jackson. You know, if I, yeah. if I went to play in an NBA game, he could coach me up all he wanted to, I would be hosed. You know, there's yeah. just nothing that you can do when the talent level isn't there. And when I look at Ole Miss, I think they'll be better. I think they'll be better than they were a year ago. But that's still not good. Yeah. And I just I, I don't think they're coming into Starkville and all of a sudden going to be some defensive powerhouse. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but yeah, I, I'm right with you on everything you just said. Concur. Yeah, the, the talent's just not there yet. And for that, to that end, I foresee another big 300-plus rushing yards night for Mississippi State in this one. Now, on the other side of that coin, for, for Ole Miss offensively against State's defense, do we know that Matt Corral is going to be some outstanding QB? He had a fantastic short – didn't play a lot, but he completed 70% of his passes. I think he has arm talent. I think he's a good thrower. Uh, and But in Rich Rodriguez's offense, where the quarterback is such a big part of the running game, basically, you know, they, they basically have the opposite problem that Keaton Thompson has at Mississippi State. Keaton might be really good, actually, at Ole Miss. Uh, that would be a hell of a story if he were to transfer. I'm, I'm using up words like it's nothing to it. Um, I think you're halfway there, over halfway there. I yeah, think. we'll see how it goes. Uh, as long as I don't drop anything on my foot, I should be okay. Um, but I, I don't know about Corral the runner. I know he had like a 70-yard run, but that was in a, a late game where they were up big. And I, I mean, I'm not going to take a whole lot away from that. I mean, you know, Tyler Russell had a long run every now and then. Um, I don't know how how he's going to do in that offense. And I, I know, and Brian Scott Rippey had an interesting comment. I, I raised my eyebrow. He said, he thinks they may be deeper this year at receiver. Not better, but deeper. And all I can think was, most of those guys were there last year. But they had Lodge and Metcalf and Brown in front of them. They were, they're not deeper. You know, they, if anything, they're less deep because they don't have those top three guys anymore. His point was that they didn't throw it to anybody outside of Lodge, Metcalf, and Brown. And then, you know, occasionally to Dawson Knox. But Elijah Moore is a good player. Uh, he's really good, actually. So is uh so is Braylon Sanders, the quality receivers. Um the issue with Ole Miss and, and at running back, this is the first time in a long time that Ole Miss has better running back depth, I would say, than Mississippi State does. I would say that. Because you've got Phillips is a proven guy, rushed for almost he would have rushed for a thousand yards last year if he hadn't gotten hurt. Same as Colin Hill. Um but Woolard is a solid number two guy, and then they have Jerry Ely back there, who's, you know, five star can't miss guy. Um so I think they got they've got talent there. Their offensive line is the question. Uh, they don't have. I mean, and it's really a depth issue up front. It's for a them. huge issue. Again, talking to uh, talking to Brian Scott Rippey, I think he made the comment they don't have a single backup who's played a college snap. Yeah, and that's not a good spot to be because I feel confident in saying that the offensive line at some point during the season, someone on that Somebody's O-line gonna get is going to get banged up. It's just that's just the nature of the beast, and then. You're really pushing it there. And, and that's where State has a strength, man, because you, you could take 
Yeah. Some uh, uh, a guy or two out of that state offensive line, and there's a backup there that you're like, well, he's, it's going to well, be okay. Well, I mean, you look at the uh, the depth chart today, okay? Outside of, you know, at left tackle, the, the backup is Dollar Bill. Yeah. Who's at least played. You know, he redshirted. Uh, and then I think the backup center was Evans Wilkerson. But he's played. But, you know, for the most part, the backups were Michael Story and, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember who the other, the other guard was. But, you know, Tommy Champion, guys who've played. You know, Michael Story's played a ton. Tommy Champion's played a lot. Yeah, so they got they got a lot of guys there. Um, so you, you, we said I think you know State's gonna be able to run the football pretty much at will on Ole Miss, and you know, gosh, if the passing game is any better, this is a game where Ole Miss is gonna have to score a lot of points, and I don't know that that's going to happen. And oh, by the way, it's in Starkville. Yeah, they, I mean, if Ole Miss last year, I, I, I'm not, I, I haven't bought into the whole Longo was the the problem thing yet. I want to see what happens at North Carolina, obviously, but if they couldn't score three, but three points. I know State's defense was really good last year, but it's still, it's still going to be good. And with with Brown and Lodge, and and that group, and you couldn't give a but in a better offensive line, you can give it three points. Why why am I going to think you're going to score twenty plus? The only way State loses this game, in my opinion, today is turnovers again. Yeah, you know, they turn it over five six times. Yeah, then by all means, Ole Miss can can get a uh, can get the win. But if State plays uh, if State plays a B plus game, they're going to win the game and they win it big. Yeah. What, what do you think a line would be for this game today if it was set 14? It would be about four, 13 and a half, 14 points. So they would be, a, yeah, it's about a two touchdown favorite. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. It's fair. You know? And it, if State doesn't lose Nick Fitzgerald in 2017, that game goes the same way the last two have gone. State wins big. There's, there's just zero question in my mind. There's no talking me out of it. And I know, I know it's an ifs and buts situation, but there, there's just no way to convince me he wasn't going to run all over that defense. He was. So, yeah, for, for, for right now, when you talk about statistically in this game, a lot of yards for Mississippi State. And then with Ole Miss, you know, it's the, it's the end of the season. They should be have figured out what they want to do offensively by then. And maybe they'll have found a way, and maybe Corral can be, surprise me a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be enough. You know, this is a game, even if Ole Miss does get 20 points, I could see State getting 40. Just because that's what State's been doing the past few years against Ole Miss. Basically, yeah. since, since 15 when Kim D.J. and those guys left. So, all right. We'll be picking that game later in the season. We got games to pick today, however. Uh, full slate of games. Everybody's playing except for Florida. Obviously, they get they get the uh, they get an extra bye week because of the week zero game. And we get we got SEC football on uh, Thursday night, eight thirty. Oh, these are Eastern times, aren't they? Seven thirty time. Uh, over in uh, College Station, Texas State. Not the one from the uh, movie Necessary Roughness, cinematic classic. Scott Bakula and Sinbad, uh, and Robert Loja. Never isn't again. Texas State the uh, the school? I mean, I, I think they've changed names, but isn't that where Stone Cold and all those guys, all those wrestlers, used to play back in the day? I thought that was North Texas. Okay, maybe that's so. Maybe I, maybe I've mixed them up. North Texas is in Denton, which is the home of the Von Erichs. I think that might be. I could be maybe wrong so. though. JBL, some of the other guys. Yeah, I think I could be wrong though. But anyway, it, regardless of that, unless JBL delivers a clothesline from hell and Stone Cold shows up to do the stunner. On some players from Texas A&M. If we count clothesline for hell, you're at like six now. Five hey, or six. I'm pushing it here. Uh, I guess I'm at one. I'm going to take the Aggies in this one. I think I will, too. All right. I think I will, too. I need to find out the line on this Toledo-Kentucky game. You remember, remember last year, I took the I took Central Michigan in week one against Kentucky. They were 18-point underdog, and they they, they, they covered that spread. Um, so I, Toledo's not a terrible team. And this could be an interesting litmus test kind of game for Kentucky. Because we all think they're going to be not as good, right? So what happens if they, they don't play well in this game? 
Well, then that sort of confirms a lot of your biases, I would think. I'm uh, keeping Kentucky. I'll take Kentucky to win, but I won't be surprised if it's close. We'll, we'll come back to some of these. I want to do the whole, we'll do the uninteresting ones first. Uh, Duke at Alabama. I mean, it's two Power Five teams, but this is a huge mismatch. I don't. I will say this. I don't know what the spread is, but if it's plus 35 or more, I would take Duke. The biggest storyline from this game for me is this is Brett Hudson's first game to cover Nick Saban. Yeah, that's right. So we'll get some uh, some fun. Was he he was not at the press conference today. He he hadn't been at anything since. I know why. You know why I know he wasn't at the press since conference what, today. Last Wednesday, he was in the he was in the uh, Seal Building parking lot at noon. I saw him. I had to. Uh, he had some uh, equipment that he wanted me to pass along to our friend Matt Wyatt. Gotcha. So. I didn't see Matt. Was Matt there? No, he was not there because Matt's show is during that time. So I guess he's just not gonna be able to. I don't know what he's gonna do with that. Um, anyway, we'll take Alabama, but like I said, I mean, can't you see Alabama? If this is the spread's 35, I mean, if I said Alabama wins 38 to 7, I mean, you'll buy that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, Saban is sort of infamous for trying to let up. Now, that said, you never know. Tua might just go out there and throw six first half touchdowns, and there's nothing you can do about it. So we'll see. Uh, Georgia State at Tennessee. I think the year two of the Pruitt era gets off with a win. It's fair. I'm with you. Portland State at Arkansas. We have a absolutely terrible, awful team, and we have Portland State. <laughs> but I'll take Arkansas to win. Yeah, we're again another litmus test game. Remember, they lost two non-conference games last year. They need to. This is a game Arkansas fans. They need them to win it like fifty-six to nothing. They need to see that. Just confidence. Just, just to just, feel it. Yeah. Just feel good about yourself. For we got an SEC game in here. Uh, there is a conference game this weekend. Georgia travels up to Vanderbilt. Uh, for the first game of the year. The, the biggest question here isn't who wins, but which team has more fans in the stadium? Georgia. Yeah. Georgia. I, th- I, th- I think you're right. Easily. Uh, and, and they'll they'll see their team win. Take the Bulldogs there. Yeah. I'm not picking Vandy. I'd love it. for you to have a brain fart or something yeah. and get that on the air. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Southern at LSU. Georgia Southern has that funky option game. I'll tell you what. You take Georgia Southern, no, no, no. take LSU. But again, I don't know what the spread is. But maybe maybe we're worth looking at Georgia Southern there, um, and then that's one of the interesting games. So we'll, we'll we'll do those now. Let's do Missouri at Wyoming. Trip out to Laramie for the Tigers. Last Ooh. SEC team that went out there, by the way, I'm pretty sure was the Ole Miss Rebels, and they left a loser. The Kelly Bryant debut. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'll go Mizzou. I'll take Mizzou to win there. It could be interesting. That's a that's a that, could be yeah. Out there on the Great Plains there, you know, in the Midwest. Could be a trap. Could be an ambush being set up there for the Cowboys. Uh, let's go South Carolina and North Carolina. This is a neutral site game being played in Charlotte. Uh, like I said, I'm interested to see what Phil Longo does. Remember last year, South Carolina, in a game where they gave up 44 points to Ole Miss, they shut them down when they needed to. Uh, I am not big on South Carolina this year, to be totally honest with you. The start of the Mac Brown era. I'm going to take the Tar Heels. Well, we have our first separation ooh, of the year. Ooh. I'm going to do this in honor of uh, a Forrest, huh? a guy that was on his podcast back a year or two ago, and he actually called me tonight randomly, out of the blue. I uh, wanted to know if a hot dog was a sandwich, to which I emphatically said a hot dog is not a sandwich. The bun touches. And we talked about other things, too. Yeah. But he's a big South Is Carolina he a friend guy. of yours? Uh, I mean, we've, we've talked before, and now we've talked some more. Okay. So, anyway, it was... 
Very yeah. random. Yeah, well, it was pretty random. But you know what? We had a good conversation, and we talked you, some you, Braves. So and you took, you're taking it. the Gamecocks. So in honor of uh, of you, Forrest, if you're listening, and he said he's a listener. He said okay. he's kept up with Mississippi State through shout our out, podcast. Shout so, out. so shout out to you, Forrest, going with your Gamecocks over North Carolina. All right, then. Uh, Oregon and Auburn. I believe that game is being played in Dallas at the Cowboys Stadium. Uh, everyone who's listened to this podcast for the last two months has heard me say I don't think Auburn's going to be very good. Uh, I like Oregon. I like Justin Herbert. Interesting that I, I, I didn't realize, you know, he's projected as the, maybe the number one pick in the draft. He only completed 59% of his passes. But he's such a physical specimen, I think, is what it is. Um, want me to last, Yeah, why don't you go want first? Why don't you go ahead? I'm going with the Ducks. Well, we're, we're going to agree then because I'm taking the Ducks as well. <laughs> Just feels like, you know, last year Auburn sort of escaped against Washington. I think Oregon has a few more playmakers than the Huskies did. So yeah, and, and I don't know what it is, man, but I just I'm sensing disaster is occurring on the plains this year. Like I just I, I I'm ready to watch it. Oh, you betcha. Some men just bingo. Like, some men just like to watch the world burn. That's bro. right. And yeah, the wheels on the gust bus go off, 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 <laughs> off, 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 off. Right now, right now, call it today. Is Gus Malzahn the head coach there at Christmas? No. No, that's what I'm thinking, no, too. I don't think so. Last one we're going to pick. I saved the best for last. Ole Miss at Memphis. Ole Miss is in the Southeastern Conference. Memphis is in the American Athletic Conference. And yet, Memphis is a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Tigers can score. I don't think they can stop anybody. But they can score. I think that's enough to win. I'm going to take the Tigers. Ah. <sighs> uh. You got two choices when, when, here. I know the right choice or the one I'm going to make fun of you for. When we picked this game, when we went when we ran through Ole Miss's schedule earlier in the year, I picked Ole Miss to win this game. Uh huh. The question is, as we sit here now, six days out, do I want to stay with with the original pick? Uh huh. That's that's a great question. Or would I like to go head to head with you? Um. Ah. Uh, uh. If you had picked Ole Miss, I was definitely going Memphis. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I feel better about the Memphis pick. But I see an opportunity here for Ole Miss to win a football game. Yeah, I don't think that they're just going to go up there and get boat raced. So I, I think they got a shot to go up there and win, so I could pick up a game on you here. This is interesting. Week one, do we want to put a little extra drama on it? Where, where are we different at right now? We're just different South Carolina at- and North Carolina. That's right. So you could, we could have a two-game swing here if, uh, if if things go your way or my way. Or you could just have one. Everybody calls me the Ole Miss sympathizer on this podcast, but look at this. He's thinking about it. You know what? I like drama. And I've always heard stick with your first pick, you know, your oh, gut instinct. This is happening. You can't win it in August, but you could sure lose it. We're going to have a two-game swing here, possibly. Oh, possibly so. Wow. You're going to go with the Rebels. I'm going to go with Matt Luke and the Ole Miss Rebels. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised by that pick. All right. I like I like switch. Hey, hey. I like drama. I like going head-to-head, man. Let's have two separations this week. And I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think they got a shot. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. There it is. So, games to watch this week. South Carolina, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Memphis. Oof. We'll see what happens. Tomorrow's show, The Rumblings. Get your questions in starting now. 
We will take all and any any and all questions away uh, from you. Uh, for opponent preview this week, just call me crazy. I'm not going to call anybody from Lafayette to do an interview. I'm just I'm just going to let that slide. We'll just talk about them. We'll do that uh, maybe tomorrow. Uh, and then, of course, our Friday podcast uh, will be the three Ps as we get into uh, the first game of the season. Looking forward to it very, very much. Guys, have a great uh, Tuesday. Joel and I will be back with you on Wednesday morning. Be sure to drop us off a five-star review. Five-star review and a question. Send us a question today, and we'll be happy to answer it. we get enough questions, we'll do a full show just like we did last week uh, of just your, your questions. Good questions last week. We'll see if we can keep that going. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.